0: Welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast, where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're in the car, on the couch, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Well, hello again, and uh, we're so glad you've joined us as we continue in our Advent series here at Long Hill Chapel called Unlikely, God's Power Through the Christmas Story. And we see the story of God worked out in this amazing way as we come back to the events of Christmas once again. But it's not in the ways that anyone then or really today, anyone would have ever expected that it would have happened. You know, this is the season of giving and receiving gifts. And as with every Christmas, maybe it's your kids or maybe it's someone else, there's going to be a lot of wonderful surprises and there's going to be a few disappointments. You know, I remember as a kid, sometimes I would be surprised so pleasantly at the things that awaited me under the tree as I would come downstairs on Christmas morning, but there were sometimes there was something I was expecting to happen or expecting to get, and it just didn't, and it felt a little bit disappointing, and that is just, that's part of the whole of the season that we find ourselves in. You know, we all sometimes experience this sense of buyer's remorse too. You know, we get a gift and we think it's going to be great and it ends up not, or we don't get the thing that we want and we just end up with this disappointment. But that's not only true at Christmas, it's true in our lives as well. Have you ever had something that's been been pitched to you, Uh, like it's been promised to you, it sounded amazing at first, but when you were face-to-face with the reality of it, suddenly it totally didn't seem like... It lived up to the hype. You know, some of you, you've had a friend who's been trying to get you to go to this restaurant and they've been telling you how amazing it is and you finally go and it's just not worth all the hype. It's, it wasn't what it, was, uh, what it was cracked up to be. A movie, a TV show, all of those things are true for us. Some of you have met somebody online and their online dating profile, it just seemed like they were the perfect person. But then you spend a few dates or worse yet, a few weeks or months or even longer of your life, and you discovered that the reality uh, was so different. You know, a new job that seemed like the dream when it started, but turned into a nightmare. You know, the place that you thought you were going to move and it was going to be great, and it turns out to not live up to the expectations. You know, there was a few years ago uh, this festival that was be- going to be put on back in 2017 down in the Bahamas called the Fire Festival. And it was supposed to be this luxury music festival where you would pay a lot of money and you would go down and there would be celebrity chefs who would prepare your meals and some of the top entertainers would be there. And so all of the people who were of means signed up and they got on their airplanes and they went down and they discovered that the reality was nothing like the hype. The food wasn't by chefs of celebrity status. It was soggy cheese sandwiches. All of the artists that were supposed to be there were not there. And so there was this almost humanitarian disaster as all of these people were trying to figure out how to get off this island that they had gone to with such great expectations. You know, but sometimes we feel even a little bit of this same thing when it comes to God when it comes to a step of faith or a commitment we've taken, when it comes to a time where we said, okay, God, I'll do it your way. I'll live this relationship and honor you in it. I'll honor you with my time. I'll honor you with my resources. I'll honor you with my life. And we take the step And the initial step seems like it's so promising, but then we become face-to-face with the reality, and sometimes it doesn't seem like it was up to the hype. We come face-to-face with the difficulty, the struggles, the setbacks. We come face-to-face with our own brokenness and the brokenness of others and the brokenness of our world. And when we do that, it is so easy to develop a sense of buyer's remorse when it comes to God. And I believe it's not because God isn't good, but I believe that sometimes we misinterpret how God is at work in our lives, in the events of our lives and our world and in our stories because we don't recognize how the path looks and we don't see how it all fits together. But when we do understand this, it transforms how we see the entire journey of our lives. It transforms how we see our circumstances. It transforms the parts of our lives where we're struggling to make sense or find purpose in them. And so as we continue in our series today, I want us to go into it with that mindset as we look again at the story of the birth of Jesus and the characters in that story, his, his earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, and all of the events that happened. We began last week when an angel had come to Mary, who was this, this unlikely person to bear the Son of God, to be the mother to the one who would save the world. And an angel appears to her and gives this promise, and it's a mission, and it means that her life is going to change completely, but it also means that there's going to be a lot of unlikely and uncertain things that are involved. So let's rewind back a bit, and get to the amazing part of the story back in Luke chapter 1. And in verse 8, it goes like this, and the angel went to her, and that's Mary, and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, as would you be, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And so this, this is amazing pitch. This is this amazing promise. This is this amazing thing where it sounds like life is going to change, and she's going to be part of this incredible moment. And yes, there will be some difficult steps along the way, but it seems like it'll be so worth it. You know, when you and I try to find out about something, we try to get more information about something. There's these five W words that we use to do it: who, what, when, where, and why. Sometimes your kids come to you and they ask you for something. or they say they're going to go over to so and so's house and. And you do the same thing. You ask, who is this person? What are you doing? When are you going? Where is it? And why? But oftentimes, even when we have that information, it doesn't answer a deeper question. And just like we find in this story of Mary, there's another question, and it's how. Now, even those of us who follow Jesus, and we believe in the hope that we have, not only at the end of our lives for eternity, but in every step of our lives, we hold on to that. We believe it, but sometimes it's hard to figure out how. It's hard to figure out how that all goes together. And that's the part that we so often just would love to know a little bit more about because it would allow us to make so much more sense of the events of our life and our world. And so in Mary's story, when this angel Gabriel gives her this news, he shares a little bit of who and what, a small amount of when and why, but there's almost nothing about how it's going to all work and how it's going to all happen. Imagine the paradox, the confusion even of hearing that God is going to do this thing, but not really knowing how it's all going to work out. And you and I can relate to this because most of us, if you're watching or listening to this, you have some sense of belief or hope in God And there's some things that you believe about God and there's some things that you believe are true about how he interacts with us. And most of us believe that God has a good plan for our lives and we hold on to that and we can thank God and we see the blessings in the good times and the bad times. We just hold on to that hope that things will change and we don't understand how it all fits together. But so often there's this question of how. Because when God invites us into his plan, into his story, into what he's doing. It's a call, it's an invitation, but it's not like a flight plan or a roadmap that shows you every turn along the way. But there's something you and I have to do in that moment as well. We have to move. When we feel the call of God, we wait for the right time, we wait in faith, but there's a moment where we have to step out and we have to begin walking out the call and the plan of God in our lives. It's not something that will just wash over us. It requires us to take a step and then to take another step. And sometimes to take steps, even when the angels that we heard singing at the beginning seem like they're distant or absent. And sometimes when we don't understand how it all works, and sometimes even when we're not feeling it where we have to do the next right thing that's in front of us, even when we don't see the path all the way through. And Mary and Joseph in our story, they're doing exactly that as well. They're stepping into what they can do without knowing of the specifics of how it all works out. And this brings us to one of the most famous chapters of all of the Bible, Luke chapter 2, This is one that we read at Christmas. In my family, we we gather around the Christmas tree and we turn out all the electric lights and we light up all the candles that we have in the house and it's just this, this beautiful sacred moment. I used to do it as a kid, now I do it with my kids. And we read the Christmas story together and they're familiar words that go like this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there, were no, there was no room for them in the inn. Have you ever gone on vacation and you've gotten on the airplane or you've gotten in the car or whatever you've done and you've gotten to your destination and all of the plans that you thought were in place somehow got lost or they got messed up and you go to the desk in the hotel and you're ready to check in and they apparently have no record of your reservation or maybe you you go to the rental car counter, or you you go to the resort that you're supposed to stay at, and there's been some mix-up. It is a disorienting feeling because here you are, far away from all that is familiar, and how you expected everything to work out is not how it's working out at all. And this is how Mary and Joseph, and especially Mary, must have felt because what they've done in this story is they've traveled from where they lived in a place called Nazareth to this other small village at that time, Bethlehem, which is about 90 miles. And that's roughly the distance from Chatham, New Jersey, where we find ourselves, to Philadelphia, except it's on a donkey. And so they've taken this journey and Mary is pregnant and she's going and they're expecting things to be one way, but suddenly there's no room. It seems like the reservations have been lost. It seems like there's these obstacles. You're far from home and nothing is working out. And imagine just for a moment what Mary must have thought in those moments. Wait a second, I thought I was God's highly favored one. Where is that angel now? Where's the power of God now when we run into those obstacles? So I think the thing that's easy for us to do with the Christmas story because it holds so much meaning for us. It holds meaning like it does for me and my family of this sacred time that we come back to a tradition that we remember. But it paints the picture of a plan that just doesn't seem like it's going right. And so Mary is in this moment, especially wondering if this plan is falling apart. Joseph went with her, and the backstory of this whole thing is that the angel has appeared to Mary and told her that she will become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And she's betrothed to Joseph, who will become her husband, and probably at this point has already become her husband in the story. And there's this scandal in the background Because as much as Mary can say that an angel told her these things, and she can tell all the other people that it was God and it was an angel, the truth is, in the narrative of history and Scripture, no angels have said anything to anyone for a very long time. And so certainly there's friends and neighbors and onlookers who are saying, sure, Mary, yeah, sure, it was an angel, right. And in this moment, where it seems like the plan is not going that well. Those nagging doubts had to come back to Joseph as well. Because Joseph had heard the story, an angel had appeared to him as well. But then there's the questions that inevitably come. And so Joseph goes up, he goes to Bethlehem, and he does it to fulfill some government bureaucracy. How many of you, you've had to file a form or you've had to go to the DMV to get your registration changed or you've had to do something else like that and you're just going through the motions of this obtuse, obnoxious process. And in the midst of this is he's registering with Mary who is obviously pregnant. Suddenly this thing is out in the open more than it's ever been. Look at verses four and five for just a second. So Joseph went up because he he went to Bethlehem because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. There's one, but was expecting a child. And so the humiliation, the shame that is in front of them because of the story of God at work is a difficult path to walk. And yet it's one that Mary and Joseph embrace because they believed in what God had set. They believed in the plan that God had laid out in front of them. They believed that the angels who were showing how they were going to be part of this story, they held on to that even in the moments when it was difficult because there are difficult steps along the road. You know, sometimes you and I have these moments where we really feel like God is speaking to us, where we really feel like the direction he's taking us is clear. Maybe it's a a change in our life, maybe it's a decision we make, maybe it's a step of faith, maybe it's a step of commitment, and it just seems so clear, but then you get into it, and there's all these other obstacles that present themselves, and there's kind of the background noise of life that gets in the way, and suddenly you find yourself second-guessing and wondering if you had understood things correctly, because there's these times where we have to keep doing the thing without feeling the thing. In a sense, it's almost like you have to fake it until you make it. You just have to keep going. But this whole story for Mary and for Joseph leads them to an unlikely setting, a place that is a stable, and it is here that Mary gives birth to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. And in the moment, and we see this in the story in Luke chapter two, there's no angels on display yet. There's no nativity scene. Everything wraps together and makes sense. And it comes to this incredible ending. The power of God doesn't seem like they're there. They're outside with a bunch of animals and it's smelly and it's a little bit dirty. And all of those concerns that Mary had in Luke chapter one must've been coming back. How was this all going to work? And you and I can feel this because maybe you took a step in your life and you felt like God was in that step, but now you're faced with parts of it that just don't seem like they're working out. And in fact, just like Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, it seems like you are doing all the work to keep things happening. You're the one who's getting up and you're making the journey. And all of that stuff that was there before doesn't seem like it is. You know, I think sometimes we miss this, the stark reality of the story and the the gloss of the nativity story that we love so much. Because some of us, we've been clinging to a promise that we believe is from God. But we're faced with a reality that looks like a stable. We're clinging to a promise that we believe God spoke to us, that he gave us something that we're following through on, but the reality in front of us looks like a stable, surprising and not in a good way, smelly, a little dirty, unimpressive, buyer's remorse. And this is where it is so critical for you and I to understand how it is that God works in the lives of people because it's so different than how we would do it. The path to our greatest significance, when it comes to what God is doing, the path to our greatest significance, it often leads us from an obscure place, from obscurity, but it leads us through difficulty before it ever leads us to blessing. So the path to the things that we look back on in our lives and we say, that was a significant thing that I was part of, that was a significant decision that I made, that was a significant chance that I had to invest, that was a significant relationship I had with another person. There's a season where we feel like God is calling us and so we step into it, but it leads us first through a place of difficulty and it very often does that before we ever are able to look back and see how it all works and is blessing. The pages of the Bible are filled with people whose lives looked like this. Often, in the places where God wants to do his best work in and through us, it looks like this, too. And that really leads us to the main point of what we're talking about today, God's power at work in our lives. It's not determined by the unlikely setting and the unlikely circumstances we often find ourselves. So when God is at work and his power is being displayed in our lives, it's not about the setting around it. You know, we want the music to swell. We want to go off into the sunset. We want the credits to roll. But God's power, when it's at work in our life, the setting very often looks like the exact opposite of what we would expect God's power to look like. And here in a stable, The one who would come to save the world, to redeem you and I, comes in this small, dirty, unlikely, surprising, in not a good way, place. But then there's another perspective that we need to look at the story with, and it's the perspective of what God has been orchestrating all along. So Joseph and Mary start out the story in Nazareth. But the prophecies that talked about Messiah, the one who is to come, who would save the people They pointed at the fact that he would come from Bethlehem. In the Old Testament prophetic book of Micah in chapter 5, there's a verse that talks about how Messiah would arise from this place. So how did Joseph and Mary get from Nazareth, 90 miles to this place called Bethlehem? How does this prophecy get fulfilled? I love this about this story. It gets fulfilled by government paperwork. And so a census is taking. An emperor gets up one day and says, you know what, we should take a census. And so they're required to go to this place. And so this emperor, Caesar Augustus, who's not even a follower of God, he does this thing. And God is at work in the thing. He orchestrates it in such a way that his plan works out. You know, imagine in your life if you were praying, you know, God, I need you to show up. God, I need you to show up in this circumstance, in this place. And the way that God showed up was with some IRS forms in your mailbox. That's kind of what this is like. And here's what we learn about God. As a result of this, God is at work using the mighty. He's using the emperors, whether they know it or not. He's using the lowly. He's using Mary and Joseph. He's using the times and the places where it seems like the angels are singing the song and it all makes sense. Like Luke chapter one, where Mary meets this angel and the course of her life changes forever. But he's also using the places that seem like whatever the opposite of that is. He's using the stables of our lives as well. You know, in another place in the Scriptures, looking back on the events of the Christmas story that we're walking through once again, one of the New Testament writers, a man named the Apostle Paul writing to a church at a place called Galatia, writes to them and he writes about this event and what it meant for them and what it means for us. And in chapter 4 and verse 3 of Galatians, he says, "'Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage to the elements of the world.'" But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. And this phrase, the fullness of time, it really means the right time. It means the perfect time. It means that moment where all the events and the circumstances and the stars of the universe, so to speak, align. It's in that moment, and it's something that God was doing all along in the likely and the unlikely places and the events of the story of Mary and Joseph. You know, some of you, uh, you I'm not one of these people, by the way, uh, know all of the Marvel Universe movies and shows, like every single last one. There are a lot of them. My wife does this. My neighbor does this. I just get overwhelmed because there's so many different movies and so many different characters and so many different shows, and each one of them shows a piece of the story. But what it is is this, this complete narrative of a story that's broken up into all of these pieces and parts. And very often in one of these movies, what looks like a bad ending or a failure or something that's just off course becomes a meaningful thing that sets the course for the next movie or the next story or something that's in the bigger picture. But the only way it all makes sense is when you're able to look back at it. And when we look at the Christmas story, we do it looking back and saying, it all made sense. It was unlikely It was an unlikely person in an unlikely place and an unlikely set of circumstances. But look how it all came together. You know, with the Christmas story, we know the whole picture. But in your life and your story, you don't. In your life and your story, you're in that present moment, just like I imagine Mary was in Bethlehem and Joseph was, trying to figure out how this all worked and hanging on to trust in God, that it would. And in the Christmas story, it turns out that it always, all had purpose. That the fullness of time where everything aligned was just at the right moment and in the right place. But you know what the good news is, friends? That's how God works in your story too. That's how God works in the events of your Life as well. That's how God is working right now in this place where you look around and you say, How does this make sense? God, maybe I heard you wrong. Maybe I didn't understand what it was that you were up to. You can trust that God's power is still at work, even. In the unlikely, the surprising and not in a good way, places in your story. And so it's easy for us to look back, but I just guarantee you that it didn't look this way. There's this middle section of the Christmas story where there's no angels. There's way too many animals. There's a long, hard journey. And there's a stable. Because it doesn't look like that in the stables of our lives either. So what's the big reveal of all these things happened. In that passage that Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, he says it in chapter, in, in verse five, he says, this all happened to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters of God. The big plan, the embarrassing parts, the census, the awkward news that had to be shared with family and friends, the story that just seemed too unlikely to be true, the stable, the obstacles, and yes, even the angels, was all so that you and I could become the children of God. It's not how we would have written that story, but it's how God chose to display his power. So in that place in your life that feels like a stable, remember who God is, And remember how he works. And that we can trust him. Because there's pieces of the puzzle that we see, but there's some things that we don't see yet. And he's good. And he's always faithful. You know, the unlikeliness of this first Christmas setting, it's a gift and it's a reminder to us. And it assures us that God cares for the lowly, for the unknown, that God is as present in the places where it feels like the angels are talking to us and they're singing a song. And he's as present in the places where it feels like the opposite of whatever that is. And it seems like there's no word, there's no power, there's no angels. It's just us and doing the next right thing. Because just like, because it seems like God sometimes is silent, friends, it doesn't mean that he's absent. Just because it seems like God has gone quiet doesn't mean that he's not there. And there are times where he brings about his best work in our stories in the most unlikely ways and in the most unlikely places, regardless of the setting that we find ourselves in. Let's pray. God, we trust you today. For some of us, it's easy to say those words. For others of us, that is a very act of our will. It's a step of faith because we're holding on. I pray that you would encourage, you'd remind us of who you are and how you operate that you're not only at work on the high points and the places where the skies are clear and everything makes sense, but you're equally present and equally at work in the unlikely, in the places in our lives, the circumstances of our stories where we feel like maybe we've missed it or we've missed you or you've missed us. Help us know that you're there. Give us the strength to continue doing the next right thing. And give us the hope to know that we know part of the picture now, but we trust that there's part that we don't see yet. And we trust that you are the one who's writing those words. And there's a day and there's a time where we'll look back and we'll see your faithfulness just like this story that is so familiar to all of us. But in so many ways, it's a difficult story of uncertainty. We thank you that you came at Christmas. We thank you that you came as the writer to that church at Galatia said, to give us hope and to adopt us as your sons and your daughters. Would we know whose we are today because of Jesus? And as we continue to walk out our lives and walk in faith in the places you've called us, even in the places that seem unlikely and uncertain, that we'd know you were there and that it would change us by the power of your spirit. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today. To connect with us further, you can visit our website at lhcnj.net or on social media at LHCNJ, and we'll be back next week with another sermon. Until then, have a great week and God bless.